started to read it and started, man, this is about anger. I'm not an angry person. My worker, my coworkers at work say, we've never seen Mike angry. I was like, but I'm going to read this book anyway. I found out I was kind of angry different points in time and that there are some things that triggered my anger and uh, through this series learning how a a godly way to deal with anger because it says be angry and sin not so it's okay to be angry it's just how you react and how you use that anger and so I found out a lot of things about myself that shocked me and uh, so I encourage you to sign up. Uh, it's a $10 class. Uh, it's five weeks, and uh, you have, I, there's a sign-up sheet in the back. And uh, so I encourage you to do that. And th- these are going to be great classes. Uh, we have uh, several subjects that are on, on planning uh, of what we're going to do. I think the second uh, five weeks will be on financial planning. So... Uh, we're, we're looking forward to some great times on Sunday nights. I know we don't have church church, but uh, these classes are going to be very good to help strengthen the body, strengthen those around you, and help, uh, help us be more who God wants us to be on Sunday nights. So uh, kids, men, youth class, you can all uh, dismiss quietly uh, without running and all that stuff. We're so thankful for our kidsmen staff and our youth staff that take, that put in pour into our young people. They do a great job. They are dedicated, and uh, they don't don't just show up on Sunday mornings and, and do a lesson. They work throughout the week to uh, make that class happen. We're going to be uh, starting reading in Second Kings chapter seven. Second Kings chapter 7, we're going to start with verse number 1. Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel, in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, but thou shalt not eat thereof. And there were four lepers, leprous men at the entering in of the gate, and they said to one another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore come, let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. Why sit we here until we die? Lord, I pray that you anoint this vessel, that I will speak the words that you want want to be said. Lord, I pray that your glory will fill this place. Do a work in us today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. 
In Second chap- Kings chapter 6 and 7, the king of Syria has surrounded the city of Samaria, uh, the, the capital of the northern tribes of Israel, and he's blocked all access. So there's nothing getting in or out of the city of Samaria. And that means no food. They're not getting out to the fields to, uh, to get flour or uh, barley, as the Scripture said. It, they weren't getting nothing. And it wasn't just like a day or two. This has been, had been going on for a while. And so things were getting desperate. The Bible says that they were selling uh, bird dung for shekels. There's a price. You're buying dung. A donkey's head was being sold for an exorbitant amount of money. So that, I mean, you're buying it to eat. So you're getting the brains and the eyeballs and all that stuff. But it was even more desperate than that. For the king put sackcloth on and under his robe, and, and a woman saw him walking and said, Hey, can you help me? And the king goes, You got as much food as I've got. And the lady goes, No, I, I need you to help me. My friend and I, we both have babies. And we made an agreement that yesterday we would kill my baby and eat it, and today we would kill your, her baby and eat it. Now her baby's disappeared. That is some crazy stuff. As a father, even having that thought cross my mind is like, I would rather, okay, just kill me and, and take me. At least... I mean, I'm closer to death than you by age. At least you have a better shot. At least there's more food. (laughs) But these were desperate times, and people were doing desperate things. And it didn't seem like there was an answer coming from anybody. And the king, the king, instead of going, okay, God, what, what do we need to do? He gets mad at, mad at the man of God and says, I'm going to kill the man of God. And this is where we picked up in our text is where Elisha tells him, hey, tomorrow at this time, tomorrow, one day, one day makes a difference. Makes a huge difference. Tomorrow at this time, everything's going to be fine. In fact, there's going to be surplus. There were two reactions to this situation. There was the Lord, the city council, the uh, city leader who the king uh, leaned on for advice and for help. And and, uh, he had one reaction. He was like... It's never going to happen. Never, ever going to happen. If you look around, we're, we're surrounded. Looks like I'm surrounded. And then you have the lepers who go, you know what? What do we have to lose? We know there's death in the city. We know there's death here. But there might be death out there. 
two different reactions. John Eldridge in, in Waking the Dead said, the story of your life is the story of the long, brutal assault on your heart by the one who knows what you could be and fears it. Albert Einstein said, the significant problems we face cannot be solved at the same level of thinking we were at when we created them. See, problems are always the doorway to the next level of growth. Sometimes we look at our problems and we go, this is just a burden. This is just trying to get me. People are trying to get me. God's trying to get me. They're, everything's trying to get me. Everybody's against me. When basically it's, you're going through something to grow. You're going through something to get to the next level. You're not going through it for nothing. Because if we believe the word of God, God says everything's under control. I have you in my hand, which means I know what's going on. So it's not like we're out of control and God is like, whoa, where is it? Where are they at? We are out of control, but God's not out of control. And Albert Einstein again said, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. See, the city official, he was skeptical. He was not believing it. He was satisfied with the status quo. Satisfied staying where he was at. He had no interest in going into the unknown. See, sometimes we are willing to die in our sin because, well, what's God going to ask of me? Sometimes we, we die being the abused because we think nobody's going to want me. Nobody loves me. Only thing I've ever known was abuse. Sometimes we die having low self-esteem, thinking lowly of ourselves because, well, that's all I've ever known. I can't, I don't, that's not comfortable to go out of our unknown or into the unknown. And you can, whatever problem you're facing, whatever you're facing today, you can be willing to go, the status quo is good enough. This is as good as it's going to get. I don't need to go anywhere else because everywhere else looks like death to me. Everywhere else looks like death to me. God has a different plan for us. See, a, a dead party is a boring party. Being dead tired is being worn out and exhausted and people can see it in your eyes. Being dead inside, which sometimes we can get when we go through things, is being numb or unresponsive. Sometimes we can come to church and we're so numb to because of what's going on around us that even the presence of the Lord, we have trouble getting in and starting to worship because we've become numb to the things that have been going on around us. In Revelations one, uh, 3, 1, they Church of Sardis, God's message to him was, I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. 
That's a message to a lot of churches. Because we can play the part. We can come in and have great worship services and have great music, have lights, have all the bells and whistles and still be dead inside. It could be dead inside these four walls because, well, we're, we're, we're happy with the status quo. What do you mean, pastor, we need to start praying more? What do you mean that we have to spend more time dedicating ourselves to the Lord? What do you mean that we need to get into the scriptures? Because you know what? It's all, I'm all right. I come to church. I show up on time. I pay my tithes. I lift my hands a little bit, clap a little bit. I have the Holy Ghost. What more do I need? Satisfied with the status quo. Satisfied with being normal. See, the lepers, the lepers were, had a death sentence anyway. Even at the best of times, they were basically carrying a death sentence. The disease was ravaging their bodies. They were on their way out anyway. And they're sitting outside the city, but at the gate because, well, that's where they felt that we're safe. And they started thinking, you know, if we go inside, we're going to die. We're dead. Because, well, they're eating each other in there. If we stay here, the sickness and starvation is going to get us. But you know what? If we go out there to the unknown, to what seems to be the enemy's camp, what seems to be a place of ultimate death, there's a chance. We might, they, they may not kill us. They may just let us go. They may go, ooh, lepers. Don't want to touch them. We're good. Just go on past. So they're going, you know what? If we, if we stay here, we're, we're done. But at least if we go out there and they kill us, at least it's quick. At least it's, it's over. See, Jacob, they, they kind of had the spirit of Jacob. Jacob, uh, when Joseph was in Egypt and he, they, there was a famine going on, and he sent his son, Jacob sent his sons to Egypt. Joseph put Simeon in prison and kept him and said, if you don't bring your younger brother, Benjamin, you're never going to see the food. Well, once Joseph was supposedly dead, Jacob picked Benjamin as his favorite. Dysfunctional, yes. But it was like, I don't want to lose Benjamin. But then in Genesis 43, 14, May God Almighty give you mercy as you go before the man so that he will release Simeon and let Benjamin return. But if I must lose my children, so be it. See, he, they were in a so hopeless situation. They were in a famine. And they had to go to the source of the food. They had to go where the food was to live. But there were dangers. It wasn't a given that they were going to be saved. Jacob said, you know what? Ultimately, 
it's going to be what it's going to be. God's going to do what he wants to do. Joab, Joab was captain of David's army, and he was, he, he was out fighting against two armies who had on each side. And Joab was like, what are we going to do? 2 Samuel 10, 12, I'm reading in the NIV version. Be strong and let us fight bravely for our people and the cities of our God. The Lord will do what is good in his sight. He said, we're going to do something. We're going to step out and we're going to fight. We're not going to sit here and just let him come and take over. We're going to fight. And the Lord, you, Lord, you do what's best. You know what's best. You do what's best. Jonathan, Saul's son. At this point in time, the Philistines were uh, oppressing the Israelites. And the, the, the Bible says the only ones that had swords was Jonathan and Saul. Israel's army didn't have anything but sticks, whatever they could find. And in 1 Samuel 14, 6, uh, Jonathan says, said to his young man that bear his armor, come and let us go over into the garrison of these uncircumcised. He didn't even call them the Philistines. He, just, he was like, these, these are just... It may be that the Lord will work for us, for there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. They won a great battle that day, two people. In fact, the Israelites had to hear the Philistines fighting each other because the Lord did such a great battle, uh, did such a great thing through two people that they were like, what's going on? Oh, the Philistines are running. Let's go. See, it was, we sit here, we die. Or we can move forward. Esther was told by Mordecai that Haman was planning to kill all the Jews. And at first she was like, ah, I can't go before the king because if the king doesn't accept me, he's going to kill me. Mordecai goes, you were placed here for such a time as this. Esther 4.16, go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me and neither eat nor drink three days, night or day. And also, and also, and my maidens, I also and my maidens will fast likewise, and so will I go into the king, which is not according to the law. And if I perish, I perish. Paul was on a missionary journey, and he was heading back to Jerusalem. And a prophet came and, and took Paul's belt and tied himself up and said, the owner of this belt is going to be bound and handed over to the Gentiles by the Jewish council. And the people that were with Paul goes, don't go to Jerusalem. If, you, if you're going to go there and you're going to get bound, don't go. But Paul was knowing, knew that God had, was calling him to Jerusalem. He goes, you know what? I'm ready to go not only to be bound, but to die. See, these lepers were in the same situation. They, they were, they were I'm going to die at some point in time. It's either going to be quick or slow, but at least I have a chance here. Jesus said, 
In Luke 9, 24, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. See, it's when they were willing to move forward into hostile territory. They found out that God had been there before they were ever on their way bringing a deliverance. See, the church today, us in America, we've been blessed. We've not seen hostile territory. If you look around the world, there are people being killed for having belief in Jesus. Not even having the full truth. Just by saying they believe Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ, they're being killed. That's happening today around the world. We've not seen that in America. But don't let us think that we're not going to see any persecution. Don't let us think that we're going to sit here and just walk through life uh, like, like we're walking through a field of flowers. Don't let us think that we should be able to just be normal. That we can just stay in the norm. Oh, all we have to do is just come on Sunday and yeah. We have the Holy Ghost. We spoke in tongues. But when push comes to shove and that stuff that's been going on around the world comes to America and your head is on the line and all they say is, you just denounced Jesus. You just denounced Jesus. Those are easy words to say. And you're thinking, you know what? I can just... Say I denounce him now, but not really believe it in my heart and go on living. And Jesus is going, what was that? You don't have faith in me enough to go, it's better to die in Christ? Because the time is coming we're, when we as a church, when we as a church body, are going to face things like this. And we have to decide, do we stay here or do we move forward? See, the, those that were unbelieving, the city, when, when the uh, lepers got to the enemy camp, the enemy was gone. The enemy didn't even take time to uh, take all their things. They didn't take their coats. They didn't take their food. They didn't take nothing. In fact, I could just see walking into a tent or something, and they have cups of, of, of wine or whatever they were drinking sitting there still full because of what God had done. Because as they were coming, God made the enemy think, oh, they called in the Egyptians and another army, and, and they're going to come and overwhelm us. And they took off. And when they went into the city, the king didn't believe them, so they sent out scouts. And the scouts goes, we went for miles picking up stuff that they just dropped because they, they th thought they could run faster if they dropped that stuff. And the city official saw the miracle, saw the deliverance, but was trampled in the gate. Never tasted of it. We've said many times, pastors mentioned many times, 
Sister Freeman spoke of a great revival. Not for, she wasn't speaking about Madagascar. She wasn't speaking about Spain. She was speaking about Belleville. She was speaking about Belleville and she said that there's going to be a mighty revival and those that are looking for it, it's going to be a sweet savor. It's going to be awesome. But those that are not, those that are willing for the status quo, those that are just willing to just ride it out till Jesus comes, it's going to utterly destroy. See, there's a, there's a thing there. That the city officials like those that aren't looking for the revival because those that are not looking for the revival are not pre- 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 preparing for the revival. Those that are looking for the revival are going, Lord, fill me up as much as you can. Get my mind ready. Get my spirit ready. Because there's going to be a ton of people, and they're going to be hurting, and they're going to be needing love. And I'm going to be able to have to be able to love people that aren't like me. Love people that are not in the same situation as I am. Love people that I may have to go, you know what? There's a smell. We have to be prepared. And see... That great revival, your deliverance in whatever situation will come to pass. The revival's coming. This place is going to be full. We're going to have to build. We're going to have to fill another auditorium because of the great revival that's coming. It's going to come. Numbers 11.23 And the Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hand waxed short? Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. Is the Lord's hand just, he's so crippled that he can't help you in that situation? Is he so crippled that he can't send a revival and have masses of people come to church and be filled with the Spirit? Ezekiel 12, 25, For I am the Lord. I will speak, and the word that I shall speak shall come to pass. It shall be no more prolonged. See, the Lord is reminding us throughout his word that he has everything under control and that we may look and see difficulty. We may look and see death. I mean, you look around the United States right now, I don't care what party you're for, I don't care what, who you voted for, it is chaos. And understand, like I said before, the church is in the crosshairs. In Canada today, if you say something against homosexuality, you can go to prison. If you haven't read it, that doesn't align, that lifestyle doesn't align with the Bible. So that me just speaking that right here, live on Facebook, they can bring charges and put me in prison. Free speech is going away. So understand, these promises are sure. Micah 4.1 says, In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's house will be the highest of all. The most important place on earth. 
It will be raised above the other hills, and people from all over the world will stream there to worship. People from all over Belleville, people from all over Swansea, people from all over Millstadt, O'Fallon, they're going to be streaming to one God, apostolic, tongue-talking, Holy Ghost-filled churches to worship. It's going to happen because God said it. Joel 2.32, and it shall come to pass that whoever shall call on my name, on the name of the Lord, shall be delivered. For in the Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be delivered, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. See, the promise after promise that what you're going through is not where you're going to end up. But as long as we sit in the status quo, Acts 2.17, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. See, the day that's coming, God is going to work fast. Jeremiah 3.16, And when your land is once more filled with people, says the Lord, you will no longer wish for the good old days when you possess the ark of the Lord's covenant. Those days will not be missed or even thought about, and there will be no need to rebuild the ark because he lives in us. We don't have to go to the ark. We are the ark. This is where God dwells when we get filled with his spirit. When he fills us with his spirit, he fills us. We don't have to look to that anymore. Amos 9.13, the Lord says the time is coming when there will be all kinds of food. People will still be harvesting crops when it's time to plow again. There's going to be so many crops that they can't even get them in fast enough before it's time to start plowing again. People will still be taking the juice from grapes when it's time to plant again. Wine will drip from the mountains and pour from the hills. That same verse in the message is, things are going to happen so fast your head will swim. One thing fast on the heels of another. See, we keep talking about a great revival and how we're going to get a great amount of people. It's not like it's going to be a trickle where we have one being baptized every couple weeks or one every service. When God opens up the gates, we're going to have a line to be baptized. We're, we're going to have the altars filled, corona or not, with people speaking in tongues that never spoken tongues before and being filled with His Spirit, not just one, but all over the place. And I talked about it before. When that happens, they'll need people to love them. They'll need people to take care of them. They are babies in the Lord, and they need mature Christians to take care of them. That's where we come in. That's where we come in. Isaiah 65, 24, And it will come to pass that before, that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking... I will hear. 
when the lepers started to move, the deliverance came. And if you notice that they went from eating each other to having so much plentiful that things were so cheap. Imagine that there were no cars. And if you had found a car, you found an old rust bucket, and it was $10,000 for this old rust bucket that might run but might not. But then all of a sudden, there are millions and millions and millions of cars. You know the value, you can go, go buy a Lamborghini for 10 bucks. That's what's happened. That's the miracle that God did. Food was scarce enough that they were killing each other's babies. And yet, within one day, because some lepers said, you know what, I'm tired of the same old, same old. I'm tired of coming to church and just, okay, go on home, come back to church. But God, I want to see my friends saved. I want to see my neighborhood saved. I want to see my coworkers saved. I want to see those strangers that I see at the grocery store saved because they're going to go to hell if they don't get saved. But we can't do the normal. We can't stay in the same habits and and see that. We're going to have to get deeper in prayer. We're going to have to push away from the table sometimes when we're really hungry and go, you know what, God, I need to take some time and talk to you. Hey, God, I need to study your word a little bit so that when that question comes uh, from a stranger saying, hey, what is it about you and what can I do to be saved? I know the answer. And I can go, in this scripture it says this. It's going to take us immersing ourselves in prayer. Immersing ourselves in prayer. Not a token prayer on Sunday morning. But a real relationship with God Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the rest of the week. That's what it's going to take. And see... The blessings will come. You know, and when we see those blessings, see, pastor's been talking about start of the times of sorrows. I don't think I said it right, but you get the gist. (laughs) See, it's going to wax worse and worse before the Lord comes. But how does the Lord give his people blessings? How does the Lord keep his people in joy? How does the Lord keep his people in hope in those times? Because the Lord didn't say he's going to take us out of those times until the rapture. Sometimes the Lord will calm the storm and just make everything go peacefully. But sometimes he takes you in his arms and says, just walk with me. Just walk with me. It'll all be all right. Do what I tell you to do. Speak to that stranger, even though they look scary. Even if they're six foot five and full of muscles. To a short guy like me, that's scary. But if we follow what God has for us, and the only way we can know what God has for us is we immerse ourselves 
in prayer. I'm finishing up, but before I finish, this is becoming a habit for me. I'm not going to have you stand and stand for 20 minutes. This is becoming a habit with my messages. If you don't know Jesus, and you're looking around and it looks impossible, today, let me introduce you to Jesus. Because he loves you. He loves you right where you're at, no matter who you are. See, in Acts 2 and 38, it talks about the plan of salvation, about repentance. Repenting means in the uh, old British army, repent was when they, you've seen this many times, repent, turn around, face the opposite, go the opposite direction. That's what repentance is, going, Lord, I know I've been a mess up. I know I haven't lived like you wanted me to live, and I ask that you forgive me. And the Bible says that he is faithful to forgive you, faithful. He loves you so much. You know, that's something I can't, I, I can't explain to you is God's love. Because if you've walked in my shoes and know what I've done, I go in prayer sometimes, and I know we're supposed to go to God boldly. But I go to prayer sometimes, and I'm just, oh, Lord, I'm such a failure. How can you love someone who, at a whim, turns his back on you and allows sin into your life? God loves us no matter what. He loves us no matter what our past is, no matter what we've gone through, no matter what we've lived through, God loves us. And when we come to him and go, Lord, I'm sorry. Sorry for the decisions I've made, for the things I've done. Please forgive me for that. He's faithful. He's faithful. Then Acts 2.38 says, be baptized in Jesus' name. That's when we take you down in the water and submerge you in water and God washes you clean. And it's important to do it in Jesus' name because there's no other power by which we must be saved. Jesus' name is the way to do it. There's nowhere in the Bible that says they baptized any other way. And then it says, and you will be filled with the Holy Ghost. And how do we know that you're filled with the Holy Ghost? The sign is you will speak in a language you've never spoken in. It's, never, it's not a spooky thing. It's not a scary thing. It's you will speak in a language you've never spoken in. I've, I've taught this, and I've had it taught before, that while you're praying, and you're, after you've repented, and you're, you, you're worshiping, you're thanking him for his forgiveness, the Lord will put words in your mind that you've never spoke before. And you can just speak them out. See, it's a voice thing. We have to talk. I can sit up here for 35, 40 minutes and I know what's going on in my head. 
but there's no communication with you. The Lord wants to take your tongue, the thing that we find hardest to control, and take control of it. Tongues are not the Holy Ghost. Tongues is the evidence of the Holy Ghost. So this morning, this morning, if, if you've never met Jesus and you want to meet Jesus and you want to have him fill you and give you the peace that is so, we can't even explain it, peace in these times of trouble. Today is your day. Could we all stand? As the praise team comes, they're going to sing. And there are six feet areas up here that if you want to come forward and pray, because this morning God is calling His church, His body to a deeper dedication to Him. A deeper walk with Him. That's just not for a few of us. That's for every Holy Ghost filled person here. He's calling you to a deeper if you don't know Jesus, if, if, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, if you've not been filled with His Spirit, today is your day. God wants to fill you with His Spirit and give you peace and give you hope and give you understanding and, and work in your life. If you want to, you can come forward and pray at the altar. We have room you have somebody next to you and they, they don't know Jesus ask them hey do you want to be filled with his spirit today and then if they say yes go you know what let's, let's repent together but as the praise team starts to sing it looks like we're surrounded but in this time verse 1 says He's prepared, prepared a table in the presence of my enemy. How much truer could that be in this scripture? The lepers were going to the camp of the enemy. And what they find, they found food to gorge themselves. So today, as they sing, if you could find a place to pray to get these. God is wanting to move in your life.
in this place. Just want to remind you there are two sign-up sheets in the back, one for the ladies' dinner on Saturday, one for the iLife class that starts January 10th. Please feel free to sign up for those things. Um, Brother Mike did mention the iLife class. This, this coming one will be $10, and that's to purchase you a book so that you have a book to follow along with the class, okay? Um, but please do sign up, participate. We're looking forward to this, and I hope you all have a very blessed week in Jesus' name. Amen.